Praise the Lord. That's a message of hope for somebody today. Do you believe that? You're an overcomer. Not in yourself, but those who are in Christ Jesus, He's made more than conquerors. Amen? Amen. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Mark chapter 8. We'll be there in just, just a second. I don't know if you've ever seen those pictures that were real popular in the 90s. Sometimes they're called magic eye art. It's the things that are kind of fuzzy, and I'm told that if you look at them just right, and you just stare right through the picture and kind of let your eyes cross, that some kind of image or shape or, or animal will pop out at you. How many know what pictures I'm talking about? How many could ever see those when you look at them? I don't get it. It frustrates me. Something's wrong with my eyes. I can't see them. I don't think I'm colorblind, but I, I can't see it. It's frustrating. Everybody around me can talk about how good it is or what they see, and that's great. And I stare at it, and it's just a bunch of noise like this. My vision does not allow me to see what others can see. I want to share with you a message in a passage of Scripture that I believe has a truth that's similar to this. Look at Mark chapter 8, starting at verse 22. They came to Bethsaida. And some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man and by the hand he led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? Chapter 8, verse 24. He looked up and said, I see, I see people. They look like trees walking around. So once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. I want to share with you this morning a message entitled, If You Could See. If you could see God's vision for your life. As we think about this crossroads for our graduates, and as I shared, everybody in this room is at a crossroads, because tomorrow is your future, and it's the first day of the rest of your life. And if you could see what God sees for the rest of your life, it would impact how you live now. It would impact the hope that you have for tomorrow. But as we we look at this passage of Scripture, I want us to deal with this spiritual topic of blindness. What does blindness have to do with us? Now, there may be someone here in this room today that you are currently or you have dealt with physical blindness before. And in this passage is primarily, the primary truth is talking about God healing this man of his physical blindness. But I believe there is a secondary and tertiary truth of spiritual blindness that applies to every person in this room. Everybody in this room has been spiritually blind or is living in spiritual blindness. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says this, just listen. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Spiritual blindness is real. The things of this world blind us from who God is and what His truth is. Where is your spiritual vision this morning? Are you living in spiritual blindness? See, sin will blind you. In fact, The spiritually blind often have no idea they're blind. It's kind of like the phrase you've heard. How do you know when you're deceived? You don't. You're deceived. 
You need somebody to wake you up. You need somebody to tell you. You need someone to say, hey, what you're believing is wrong. What you're doing is wrong. What you're seeing is not reality. Sin will blind us spiritually, and, and often we can be living in that disobedience and not even recognize how blind we really are. Sin seeps into our lives, clouding our spiritual vision like a thick sap. If it's left unattended, it will crust over, it will harden, and leave us unable to see anything spiritually, skewing our perception of what is real and ultimately leading us to and holding us in spiritual death. Luke chapter 6, 39 and verse 41 shares these thoughts. Can a blind man lead a blind man? How will this happen? Will they not both fall into a pit? Why, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye, so then you will be able to see to help your brother with the speck in his eye. Friends, we need the message that Mark 8, talks to us about. In blindness, and spiritual blindness, I would argue, that we can be set free and healed from our spiritual blindness. But we have to be willing to acknowledge that we're blind. We have to be willing to get honest about our vision. We can't just pretend like nothing is going on. We have to be transparent and honest with ourselves and with God about our spiritual vision. Well, how do I know if I'm blind spiritually? You'll know if you're blind spiritually when you begin to see willful disobedience creep up in your life over and over and over again. The things of God won't make much sense to you. The Word of God will seem like foolishness to you. You'll find that there's other people around you who seem to read this scripture and, and they get something from it. And when you run your eyes over it, it's like looking at that magic eye art. You don't see it. You don't get it. it. It's foolishness. What's with this? This is an indication that there is spiritual blindness taking place. You'll also know if there's blindness when you hear God's still small voice whispering to you this morning. Come, let me heal your sight. Let me give you new sight today. The good news this morning is found in the text that we just read in Mark 8, 22-25. In verse 23, we see that God wants to heal our blindness. Not only does He want to heal that man, I believe all throughout Scripture we'll see a pattern of Him calling us to get healing from Him. But before Jesus healed the blind man, He took him by the hand and He led him outside The village. I want to catch this. Could it be that Jesus knew something about this blind man of where his comfort zone was, and he said, I want to do something in your life. Jesus has power to heal anywhere he wants to. But he chose, for some reason, according to the text, to take this man by the hand and lead him outside the village. And then he healed him. The blind man could have very easily have responded. Now wait just a second. I'm not so sure about this. I don't know you very well, Jesus. I can't see where you want to take me. Uh, Everyone I know and everything that I know is right here in this village. I have memorized the steps from my front porch all the way to Main Street. I know every nook and cranny, every alley, every street in my village. And if you take me outside the village, I don't know that stuff. I've learned how to get around here. I've learned to be comfortable here, even in my blindness. Jesus, why don't you heal me right here? 
But no, the blind man chose to trust Jesus, apparently took his hand and followed Jesus to the place of healing. We too have to be willing to follow Jesus. And he possibly may be calling you to step out of a comfort zone, to leave your village, to leave the things that you're comfortable in, the things that you know, the people that you know, to move to a place where he can touch your eyes and he can give you the vision that he has, how he sees you, how he sees the world around you, and what he sees for the rest of your life. Jesus is here this morning, friend. He's holding out his hand. He's whispering to you, take my hand and follow me. A few years back, I was at the eye doctor, and I was getting an exam to get new glasses, and they told me that it was time to dilate my eyes. Have you ever had that happen? I hate that. They put those drops in your eyes and make your pupils huge, and, and just any amount of light is just loud. It hurts so bad. And, and everything you see is blurry. I mean, you can see, but it's blurry, and they don't let you drive yourself home, and they give you those very fashionable sunglasses. Have you ever had those? They put these on and try to block everything out. As I was reading this passage in verse 25, I thought about that blurry vision that I had at the eye doctor. I could technically see, but everything was blurry around me. Just like that blind man, many of us have blurry vision. Jesus touched him and he said, what do you see? And he said, I see people, but they're like trees waving around. He could see, but he couldn't see clearly. Jesus started to work in him, but apparently it was not complete in him. And, and he couldn't see the clarity that Jesus wanted him to see. How many of us have been touched by God? He has brought salvation to our heart, and, and he's brought his vision to us. But for whatever reason, we've not allowed him to complete that work in us. And, and we have been settling for a spiritual fuzzy blindness. We've not allowed Jesus to do all that he wants to. We don't see Jesus clearly the way he wants us to see him. I became a Christian when I was between my fifth and sixth year of age. I went to Sunday school when I got old enough. I went to youth group. I went to church potlucks, church camps. Every time the church doors were open, I was there. It wasn't because my dad was a pastor or because that he made me go. It's because I wanted to go. And if I'm honest... I got real professional at being a Christian and being a churchgoer. In fact, I, I should have earned a wage. I was so good at being a church-going Christian. But along the way in my walk with Jesus, I needed reminders of who He really is and, and what He's really like. It wasn't until my freshman year in college that I started to see Jesus differently. My eyes had been open to the truth, but I never saw Jesus clearly as I did that freshman year. For the first time, I began to see who Jesus was. And I noticed that all my years before, I had a fuzzy view of Jesus. George Orwell writes these words. A mass of Latin words falls upon the facts like soft snow, blurring the outlines and covering up the details. That quote summed up for me how I viewed Jesus Religious, theological words had fallen upon Jesus, blurring my vision of who he really is. I started out with a flannel board view of Jesus. 
as a five, six-year-old, and my Sunday school teacher would tell the stories of Jesus, and they would take that cut out of Jesus and put it up on the board. That's not a bad view of Jesus for a five and six-year-old. But as you grow to be an adult, it's pathetic to have a cut-out view of Jesus. It doesn't cut it if we don't allow him to be anything more in our life than who he first showed up to be. I had a view like so many of us here today. A marshmallow, cream puff Jesus that's so nice, that's so soft, that's easy to swallow, that's religious, that is a politically correct Jesus. I allowed myself to pick and choose the aspects of Jesus that I liked. And I began to form a picture of Jesus that was easy, that was best for me to look at. But that first year in college, I began to see another picture of Jesus. The Jesus that had dirty feet. The real Jesus. The one who was rejected for teaching a gospel that apparently was offensive to many. That's recorded eight times in the New Testament that Jesus said, Blessed are those who are not offended by me. Now think about that for a second. Blessed are those who are not offended by me. I began to wonder, how could anybody be offended by Jesus? How could anybody be offended by my marshmallow, cream puff, soft, nice, religious, politically correct Jesus? And then it hit me. You can't be offended by that Jesus. Because that's not who Jesus was and that's not who Jesus is. Jesus is not politically correct. He did not meet the approval of the masses. Jesus was not nice and neat and able to be put into the box that we create for him. So I started out on a journey to study this Jesus who was very real throughout history and very real today. I began to see that everything that he did was wrong, at least according to the world standard. It struck me that people would respond to him as if he was weird. And they were right according to their own standards. Jesus was strange. He did all the wrong things in the eyes of the people who had blurry spiritual vision. He didn't wash his hands when he was supposed to, and he washed other people's feet when he wasn't supposed to. The people thought that he should pay a lot of attention to the religious leaders, and he ignored them most of the time. And then when he did speak to them, he said things that they said, you should never say that to the religious leaders. And yet it was the prostitutes and the down and out that he hung out with and that he had meals with. He taught in wrong ways. You know, you're supposed to be clear and you're supposed to have great rhetoric and be a good PR man. Jesus was a terrible public relations man. His stories weren't lofty of these deep theological phrases. He talked about gritty things, about dirt, about rocks, about seeds, about pigs, about dogs. His teaching was offensive. Why? Because it was so contrary to the vision that the world had. Jesus would say things like, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This coming from a man who was homeless and had no place to lay his head. And he said, Come to me, and I will give you rest? He taught strange things like, If you want to save your life, just lose your life. What? He would teach people things that would cut right to the heart of where they were at. He was with the rich young ruler, this guy who was caught up in money, and Jesus saw right to his heart. And he saw that this guy was thinking, well, I just need to love God, right? And, and Jesus says, oh, no, I've got, I've got a great idea for you. Rich young ruler, you know all that stuff you have? You're going to love this. It's so good. 
go sell it all and give it away. And then come follow me. The things that Jesus would say and would teach would be so strange and weird to a standard that the world would hold on to. It was a different vision than what the world would have. Jesus did this at a party with the Pharisees. He was supposed to be still and nice and polite and being a part of the party, but yet he was sitting there noticing how people came into the party at this Pharisee, this religious leader's house. And he saw how every one of them came in and they grappled to get the best seat available. And you know what Jesus does? He speaks up. It is so awkward. Jesus says, hey guys, I've noticed that you're coming in and you're all looking for the best seat. i got a better way for you. Come into the party and look for the worst seat. Who is this Jesus guy? And if that wasn't awkward enough, he chooses to speak up a second time. Hey, and host, the guy who's throwing the party, I've noticed all the people that you've been inviting, it's the wealthy, it's the well-off, it's the well-respected. And I can begin to see that part of the motives is that when you throw your party and invite them in, maybe they will pay you back and invite you to their party. But i got a better idea for you. Why don't next time, host, you invite the poor, the cripple, the lame, people who can't pay you back? Who is this Jesus? But even in his weirdness, people were drawn to him. They ran around lakes to get to him. People cut holes and roofs to get to him. Because there was something about him, something different and something very good. At times, even the disciples had blurry vision. I could just hear Peter saying, Okay, Jesus, see that town over there? We hate them. They're against us. Can we strike them down with fireballs? And Jesus says, Peter, no. I mean, good idea, Peter, but how about this? This is something better. Why don't we go to Jerusalem? And why don't we get killed? Can't you just hear Thomas? Oh, yeah, let's go with Jesus to Jerusalem to get killed. But that's exactly what Jesus did. And he had the audacity to be offensive and he didn't stay dead. Dead people should stay dead and stay right where they're at. But Jesus conquered sin, death, and the grave and rose again. Everything he did was wrong to a world who had blurry vision. We so desperately need to see the real Jesus in our life. We need to trade in our politically correct marshmallow cream puff Religious view of Jesus for the Jesus who has dirty feet, the one who is very real in our midst. We need to allow God to clarify our vision. Will you let God clarify your vision this morning? Will you allow Jesus to get close enough to finish the miracle that he possibly started in you when he touched your eyes for the first time? Jesus longs to give you that crystal clear vision. You don't have to just kind of look at the magic eye art of following Jesus and pretend like you get it and just go, oh, yeah, isn't that good? Sir, amen. If you can't see it, Jesus says, let me heal your eyes. Let me help you see clearly who I am. Friend, God wants to restore your vision. I remember in our house in Ohio, we had a basement I loved going to the basement. It was a great place to take a nap. It was cool, and there was no windows. You could turn off the lights, and it was dark, 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 as dark as it could get. And I remember laying down on the couch in that basement, and I would just relax, and I couldn't see anything. But if I laid there long enough, 
The only light that was on was the red glare from the numbers on the alarm clock that was down there. And after a while, your eyes would adjust, and pretty soon, just those red numbers from the clock would illuminate that basement enough that you could fumble around and find the TV remote. You could make your way from the couch to the lazy boy chair. And you could kind of see. But as soon as I would relax, uh, Terry or Caden would come to the top of the steps, open that door, flip on the light, and light would flood in. And I don't know if you've ever heard light, but it was loud. It would just crash, and it would hurt your eyes. I would slam my eyes shut and I, and I wouldn't be able to see anything. I, begot, I got so accustomed and became so comfortable to the darkness that real light was something I couldn't stand. You see, Jesus wants to restore our vision. Some of us have gotten so used to the darkness that we can't see the real light anymore. It's not that you've never had your eyes opened. It's not that you've seen blurry, but you have seen, and you have seen clearly, but the darkness around you has begun to to change your vision, and you cannot see him anymore. He wants to restore your vision. I want to paraphrase a story from Luke. There's these two guys that are walking down the road, and Jesus had just been crucified, and they're talking about the weekend events of Jesus being crucified, and then this other man comes to join them as they're walking. They spoke to this man about their thoughts about Jesus' death and asked him to walk with them, but they didn't realize who this man was. This man was Jesus himself. They didn't recognize him. They would talk for a good while, and then they would get to their hometown, and then they invited this man, Jesus, into their house to eat with them, and they still didn't realize who he was. Jesus had to come right out and almost blatantly say, it is me, it is Jesus. And in Luke 24, verse 31, it tells us, then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Sometimes, friend, we get so used to the darkness around us. Once we were able to see clearly, But the darkness has got us comfortable to things that are not in the light. And we need our vision restored. Jesus could be right there with us, but we don't see him. We could even be interacting with him, but we don't recognize it as Jesus because the darkness has taken over our sight. I'm not sure where you're at this morning. Maybe you're living in spiritual blindness. Willful disobedience, sin, is blocking your eyes from seeing the truth. If you could only see God's vision for your life, but you won't see what God has for you if there's willful disobedience in the way. Would you let Jesus, who is whispering to you, take you by the hand, lead you outside of the village to a place that may not be comfortable, but to a place where he can bring healing to you? Maybe you're at a place where you've allowed Jesus to bring you sight. You have salvation. You have know Jesus as your Savior. But if you're honest... Spiritually, you have settled for a fuzzy vision. Jesus says, can you see? And you say, yeah, I, I see people like trees. He wants to bring you a clear picture of who he is. Don't settle for a fuzzy view of Jesus today. Maybe you're here and you've, you've seen. You've even seen clearly. But you have, you've allowed the darkness to come over you again, and it may be circumstances, it may be the things of the world, it may be doubt and discouragement, but, but pretty soon the light is so foreign to you 
that you can't see anymore. God wants to restore your vision. I want to share with you today that God wants you to see what He sees. John 4, 35 says, I tell you, open your eyes and look. The fields are ripe for the harvest. Look up and see how ripe they are. I want to ask you in a minute, if God has been speaking to you today, and you want to respond to Him, I want to ask you to do something that may make you a little uncomfortable. But Jesus is calling out to you and wants you to take Him by the hand and to come to this altar and pray and ask God to touch your vision spiritually. Maybe He has highlighted some willful disobedience in your life that's blocking your vision. God wants to bring healing to you today. And maybe you have had a fuzzy picture of God and and you've been settling for this fuzzy view and God wants to clarify your vision. He wants to bring healing to you today. Maybe you need Him to restore your vision. Friend, if God is speaking to you, don't come because I'm asking. Come because God has put His finger on something in your life. If that's you, I want to invite you to get out of your comfort zone, to stand up, to step out and meet me at this altar Right now, as Carrie sings this song.